You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Out of structure. Let's do it. We have time to run Walsh. If it's first and 10, Walsh. Any down and distance, I don't care. The game is over, and the Chiefs' kingdom has firmly planted its flag on top of football's highest summit. And Chiefs' kingdom, get ready to welcome your champions. Welcome, Chiefs' kingdom. Your Kansas City Chiefs are back-to-back Super Bowl champions. They're a dynasty. It's a team full of goats. Breaking records left and right. I don't even know what to say at this point. I am beside myself. This is Matt Sagner here with Ron Cobb Jr. on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. Ron, how do you even begin to capture what we just saw? I know, dude. We have all this stuff written down in this doc because I don't want to miss anything. I've been, last two days, you know, little sleep, little time thinking about anything else. But the fact that these Chiefs won the Super Bowl freaking again um, and just... You know, it's been so funny these last two days, too. Like, you know, obviously in the wake of it, you know, you're just celebrating. Wake up Monday. Get all, you know, you get it all again, right? The wave comes back of, you know, seeing all the tweets and stuff. You kind of go to work, kind of keep yourself busy. Get back on Twitter, see all the tweets. It all comes back again. Like, we did it. Like, it just keeps coming back. And and it, and this this podcast recording is going to be that that coming back feeling for, for everyone listening for us, too, Stags. Let's have a good time because, I mean, Man. we... This team, this team spoiled us, and, and so we deserve to celebrate a little bit. I don't know how many times I've watched the Tom and Jerry play at this point, but it's it's been a lot. So, yeah, that's that's the thing. Like, we all talk about all these food plays. Like, that wasn't named after food. It was the corn dog play. He, he said it was, had a little ketchup and mustard on it, but it was called yeah. the Tom and Jerry. Um, <laughs> but it had to be called something. Uh, we even had a question last week, didn't we? Uh, someone was like, what would be the, the play to remember? Yeah, didn't call I, didn't call that. I'll, I'll say that. <laughs> yeah, that call Tom and Jerry. Yeah, we talked about maybe it'd, it'd be a big guy touchdown. It could be, you know, it could be a lot of things. But whoever put money on McCole Hardman scoring the game-winning touchdown in the Super Bowl this year? Oh man, I, that's a very rich person. I, I really, I really would like to hear from you if if you did that because uh, that felt like it was out of nowhere. That was my first two responses, and I think if you saw videos of lots of other reactions, Nick Wright, others. It was like, oh, my God, they won. Oh, my God, it was McCole Hardman. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and it does speak to, though, that it was a microcosm of the season where a guy like McCole Hardman, who has had so many, not as many as the other guys, the other slot receivers on this team, but some hair-pulling moments. Um, you know, we I can remember the wild card game. Mahomes had those three deep passes to him where it felt like McColl maybe could have could have caught all three of them and everyone's saying, you know, oh my gosh, you know, why is he playing so much? But that just kind of speaks to this team throughout the entire year. All these guys that were have, making mistakes, were making miscues, you know, 
just the sloppiness, the penalties, the drops, the, you know, lack of route running, the, you know, even pass protection at times, right? You know, it was all so inconsistent throughout the year. And they finished strong this season. And that was like this game, Stags. Like, it was really ugly in the first half, dude. Like, it was – I was not feeling good after the first half. And it was all the same things that happened all year. Just all came flooding back, didn't it? Yeah. I mean, I immediately had that microcosm feeling – you know, in this game thinking, all right, this is, this is reflective of this season. This has been a, a sloppy mess. There's been, you know, the look at the box score and look at the list of fumbles on the Chiefs side. Like there, there were a lot of fumbles. Yeah. Actually real quick. I saw that there were seven total fumbles in the game and the Chiefs recovered six of them. <laughs> That's crazy. That's ridiculous. Um, you know, yeah, you had Travis Kelsey bumping Andy Reid and, and going off and that's, that has set off a whole firestorm of, of, of hate towards Kelsey that, that I didn't see coming. Um, to me, that feels like it's just an in-game competitor kind of thing. But uh, uh, apparently, I've heard a lot from a lot of people who were quite bothered by that. It was, uh, yeah, it was a yeah. tough first half. But I felt like, you know, the moment I felt like they were going to win is when they kicked that first field goal. Oh, yeah. Just getting on the board, getting within one score, knowing that they'd get the ball back in the second half, and they'd make some adjustments. I was like, okay, here we go. When, I will when say, they were blanked, I was concerned. No, that, that's as, a good point. As soon as he hit that 57-yarder, I was like, all right, we're good. Well, and that's the thing, too, is like the offense really didn't do anything all first half. But as soon as they went down 10 nothing, as soon as that big play to McCaffrey, um, you know, the trick play put the Niners up 10 nothing. the Chiefs, turned it around, went right down the field. They didn't score a touchdown, but did kick the field goal. And, and you're right. And that's where, you know, at halftime, I actually tweeted out. I kind of what we were just talking about, uh, you know, first half, had, first half had all the little negatives that fueled pessimistic Chiefs fans this season. Let's hope the second half looks more like the last four to five games. And, 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 and I kind of said that, you know, feeling like, yeah, you know, they, they kind of did keep this within striking distance and they're going to figure it out. But no, I mean, it wasn't just the Kelsey Reed thing. It was Legereus Sneeds, you know, I thought he punched him when I, you know, I, cause I, I did kind of see it, uh, you know, when it first happened, I was like, Oh my God, he just freaking punched him in the face. But it was just, yeah, I was worried that was coming with an ejection. I, I really, I know. Have. Yeah. I know that felt that that was kind of pity or stomach. Um, especially cause you know, all year he has been the one getting in the receiver's heads and then it, he, he kind of let it get into his head in the worst moment, but he turned it around, still locked down, had a great game. Pacheco's fumble after McColl's big, Oh my gosh, dude, what a buzzkill that was. I mean, what a play from Mahomes and McColl. 53 yeah. yards, absolute rope from one side of the field to the other. Um, and then Pacheco, kind of just really bad ball security. Uh, you know, it, it, it was sloppiness, wasn't it? Like, it wasn't just like bad, like, it wasn't just like bad luck to me. It really was like this team just came out and just was not playing well. I don't think the blocking was playing well. I don't think Mahomes was playing well at, at first. Yeah, I mean, there, it, it, there was some yeah. of those in between plays for Mahomes where he it looked like he thought about running, he thought about throwing it. You know, it was that, that little bit of indecisiveness that he gets whenever he doesn't trust what he's seeing. He doesn't trust the uh, players to get open. Right. He doesn't trust the protection. Those were some things that sort of came out there for a minute. But again, I've said throughout this playoff run, I don't expect the Chiefs to win every one of these games, but if they're close, they're, they're going to win. And, and, and and that's that's really the way I felt during the Super Bowl is like as long as as long as they don't open up a big lead, 
even if they do, the Chiefs will probably come back. But if if it's a close game, you know, Mahomes and company will find a way. And and man, did they! Uh, I do want to go back to McCall Hardman real quick. And I know this is probably out of order, but the fact that this guy had zero total yards in the playoffs, <laughs> and that zero total yards came from, as you mentioned, some mishaps <laughs> in the passing game. He had five receiving yards, negative five rushing yards. Yeah. Two fumbles. And he didn't get a touch in the AFC championship game. The odds of that guy turning around and making the two biggest plays of the Super Bowl and walking it off with a victory. And Mahomes saying, Oh yeah, he was ready this whole time. Like there was no no doubt. <laughs> I mean, that's that's a script uh, you know, for the for the ages. No, and and I and you're right, and I wish I would have done this work beforehand. But like, how many of the the players on the Chiefs have won all three rings with the team and have made plays in all three Super Bowls? I don't think McColl actually made any plays in the first Super Bowl, but as he was a factor on the team in 2019, um, and you know last year he was he was around too. It's just it's wild to think like you know he just kind of stuck around and has just been like that X factor kind of guy when they need it and. You know, it's because he's fast. Like speed really does, you know, set you up to to you know uh, be a factor in this Chiefs offense. And he just kind of sticks around and waits for his opportunity. And and yeah, you're right because I think I would have rather bet on Tony to score in the game. You know, like leading into the game before uh, Hardman. Yeah, but, but until Tony was inactive, then he, I felt like it was a pretty good chance he wouldn't score uh, once he was inactive. So. No, but I I do want to take a second, Stags, because yeah, no. That's the thing, because if Tony, if Tony was in uh, active, like, you know, I don't think they would have played him much anyway, like the Sky Moore treatment. But I think, I think the team's just treating him well, just treating, you know, letting him be in Vegas, like letting him get the ring, kind of enjoying it with the team. But I don't know if he's going to be back around in twenty twenty four. We don't need to talk about too much of, of Tony anymore, because this team, <laughs> yeah. this team just won their third ring, coming back in the second half, you know, down, you know, from being down ten three at halftime, like we just talked about, and. I don't know, dude. Patrick Mahomes doing that comeback down late, you know, the last two drives of the game. Actually, you should say the last I – sh- I really should say the last four drives. I keep yeah. saying the last two drives, but they did not score much of anything at all until that muff punt and then, you know, the MBS touchdown. And then it just – and then Mahomes took over, was methodical, three or two straight field goal drives and the touchdown drive in overtime, earned that MVP. Speaking of redemption, what about uh, MVS catching the other touchdown? So, if, right. If you if you bet long odds on McColl scoring, you can, if you parlay that with MVS scoring as well, then you know my hats off to you. That was yeah. that was crazy. Yeah, you're 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 probably staying in Vegas right now if, if that happened to you because uh, I because you're having a good time. Um, no, that's the thing. You know, he Mahomes after kind of having what I thought really was a rough game. I mean, his interception, um, you know, to start the third quarter was awful. Uh, it was one of maybe his worst interceptions ever. And I feel like we say that about a lot of his interceptions. Anytime they happen, uh, they seem like one of his worst. Uh, they always seem very bad. Um, but it seemed like he had Kelsey and it, I couldn't tell if he just really overthrew the crap out of it, or he just didn't realize there was anyone else around besides them. So he was trying to lead Kelsey downfield or he was looking at MVS, double covered, and thought, oh, I'll throw it to him. You know, it just – Kelsey was open. Just throw it on a rope. It's there. So it really yeah. was – like, it, Mahomes really did have to turn it around. And I do wonder if that was one of those – both of those guys weren't supposed to be that close together. 
Um, and, and yeah, yeah, it looked to me like he was hoping MVS would come back for the ball and he didn't, uh, which has happened before. So I, I don't know what happened there, but yeah, that was ugly. That was a low point in the game. In fact, the way they came out of halftime, you thought, Hey, they got a chance to double up here. Right. And then yeah. they fumbles the first play. Oh they recover God. it, come back, <laughs> throw an interception. And you're like, okay, this is, we're going back to halftime. Yeah, no, it, it really did. When that bled into the third quarter, and and that's the thing in the in the first Forty Nine ers Super Bowl, he had that bad interception in the second half. As uh, it was actually way later, right? It was, uh, I think that was in the like early fourth quarter, um, where it looked like you know they were down ten. Looked like the Niners had had it controlled, but this team, man, this quarterback, this franchise's coach is everything, dude. This this team willed their way to that third ring, to that dynasty cementing championship. And that's what really stags like that's, and it it really did stick with me, you know, this win, Um, just the fact that, you know, there's only so many dynasties in NFL history. In fact, there's really been one every decade in NFL history as someone that grew up as a huge football nerd, NFL fan, you know, you knew that, the 70s were the Steelers, the 80s were the Niners, the 90s were the Cowboys. And then all of a sudden, you know, we were in the Patriots era um, for the last 20 years. You know, it was it was a double dynasty, you could say. And now the Chiefs, all Super Bowls have happened in the 2020 decade. The Chiefs are the dynasty of the 20s. Like in NFL history, you know, when we look back in the history books down the road, when we're old and Mahomes is retired, this is the next dynasty in line i don't know if another one will come after this but like the the chiefs are the 20s dynasty and it's just it's it's amazing to think and it's because they have a hall of fame quarterback hall of fame head coach hall of fame tight end hall of fame defensive coordinator i think i know spags you know defensive coordinators don't really get in the hall of fame i guess uh by themselves we talked about that last time but man stags mahomes 34 46 passing 333 yards two touchdowns also led the team in rushing with 66 yards, had some crucial runs that we can get into. So I don't know, man, when you saw Mahomes do it, those last two drives, just what were your thoughts going through your head there? Yeah, I mean, you had to feel good about it. Um, there was some concern, you know, again, early in the game, but the defense really the defense really kept them in it. I, I'm going to go back. We'll talk about yes. Mahomes for sure. But we just talked about the the turnovers and the low points. After every one of those, the defense came up with a three and out, yeah. uh, negative yardage. I mean, they they really, really stepped up. Uh, the 49ers scored no points on those turnovers, and and it really, uh, really made it more of a non-factor than what it could have been. It could have been a momentum-changing play, and, and they didn't allow it to be. Yeah, Mahomes' uh, interception, actually, real quick, was it set them up right in Chiefs' territory. Three and out. Willie Gay has the the chase down um, from the spy position and keeps him out of field goal range. Even so, mm-hmm. yeah, that was you're right. Crazy stops by the defense, just massive. And then yeah, with Mahomes, just 399 yards of total offense, uh, <laughs> two touchdowns, the one bad interception, but he was absolutely nailed in that overdrive, uh, the the overtime drive, uh, a for eight passing. 27 yards rushing on those two runs, which were both just beautifully executed. You don't want to call them designed runs, but you know, the, the run was one of the choices there and he made the absolute right choice on both of those. Um, that was epic. 
converting a fourth down, converting a third down. I mean, just the efficiency, it just the lethalness, the the cool way that he conducted himself in that situation. You, the cameras were on him, and there was not a doubt in his mind. There was not a hesitation in in Mahomes. I mean, that's what that's what it looks like when you have a franchise quarterback, a champion, a, one of the greatest of all time. That that's that's who it was, and that's that erases any of the hesitancy, any of the challenges of the first half, any sloppiness of the season. All of that stuff's forgotten. The only thing we're ever going to remember five years from now is that drive in overtime. And I, right when it happened, I thought, is the NFL going to have to come up with a new name for this? Because they've had the, the drive, you know, in, in yeah. NFL history. Hmm. This was this was a pretty epic drive, and I, I don't know – I don't know how they capture that other than uh, Tom and Jerry or corn dog with ketchup and mustard. <laughs> I know. Yeah. And it can't go down like that. Right. And, and the, the hall of fame, there can't be a plaque in the hall at the hall of fame somewhere saying, you know, me, you know, remembering the Tom and Jerry Super Bowl winning play. <laughs> oh, you know, they could, but no, I, I, I'm with you. Uh, Mahomes is abil- Mahomes ability to just let the rest of the game kind of, you know, uh, just forget about it. Right. Because, that's something at the beginning of his career happened at times, right? Way more than it does now. But, you know, I feel like I remember in the 2018 AFC Championship against the Patriots, couldn't get anything going on offense. Patriots had a lead. You know, he had to stick with it. And they did break through. The offense did eventually get going. Like, that's something that he that he's had a long time. And it's something that he's refined and perfected. And on those last two drives, the one to tie it into overtime and the one to, to win it in overtime, you know, he was just just so decisive when we were talking about earlier, he wasn't that's when he was. And that's why the rushing came out because you can't, you you can only, you know, if the pass isn't there, you have to make a choice and you're right. um, On the, there was two design runs um, throughout the, throughout the game. The one in overtime was set up by one earlier in the game in the third quarter where Bosa committed really hard. Mahomes took it. And it's actually a run pass option, right? You have pass routes off of it, but Mahomes is, 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 it's such a, a, a quick decision maker, a quick uh, processor that he doesn't even like stop to think about to, to pass because he can recognize, OK, all of these guys, uh, coverage guys are getting taken with him. So it's just going to open up wide open free. I'm not going to even try to throw it. And so he just takes off the first time. The second time, though, wasn't even a run option. It was just a straight design uh, pass pass. Bosa still fell for it, which. You know, that's that's the that's the thing. You know, Nick Bosa really is, uh, uh, you know, he he sets himself up for some of these plays. Um, but yeah, Mahomes again takes it, yanks it, gets downhill. Like he just and so like those plays were good, but that was more the scheme. It was the scramble stags that that really are on Mahomes, where there was one in the third quarter to keep a drive alive. You know, you can't really scramble against an aggressive zone team because they have eyes on you. So that's why you can't you can't do it all the time. And when you do do it, you kind of might have to put your shoulder into someone like he did on third and four, where there's a cornerback, you know, waiting for him there. But he he kind of, uh, you know, makes everyone freeze for a second by pump faking it. Give you know gives him a second to gain momentum while they're stopped, you know, on their heels. Boom, he 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 runs over him for uh, first down. But then the game ceiling one, pretty much right to get them, you know, uh, inside the 15 yard line. Quickly, he realizes. You know, they're going to abandon the middle of the field. They're trying to spread out, trying to take away all the pass options at the four-man rush. And 
you know, he does it, he, he does it intentionally, does it with good timing, but he knows like pre-snap, he, he knew it was coming. And it's something that you saw in the Eagles game last year as well, where when that middle of the field opens and it, and it opens up for him, he's going to take it because it's a smart play. It's the right play. Um, and it's just something that he does in, in seemingly every big game stag. So it's, it's yeah. crazy that it, he, he pulled it off again. I'm just glad he didn't have the ankle sprain to deal with this year when, when he made that run. Uh, it looked a little bit quicker. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That. Oh, yeah. He was moving. I was looking at Opta stats on Twitter. I, first of all, the statisticians out there, the, all the people pulling out numbers after this game, it's been unbelievable. It's been impossible to get off of Twitter or X because there's so many good numbers being pulled. I thought this was a good pull. Patrick Mahomes is the only NFL quarterback in the last 30 years to go eight for eight or better with more than 27 rushing yards on a single drive oh, yeah, in yeah. any game, regular season or postseason. And he did it in overtime <laughs> in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I thought that's a crazy wild. set. The last 30 years, nobody's had a drive like Mahomes had, and he did it to win the Super Bowl in walk-off fashion. Well, and and yeah, and and I did extrapolate over two drives too because I think I think when you combine them both, it still is impressive because he went uh, thirteen to sixteen passing for a hundred yards over the two drives, thirty three rushing, five for five on third or fourth down over the fourth quarter, the last fourth quarter drive and the overtime drive. You know, the fourth quarter drive obviously they ended prematurely, um, which I was kind of upset with at the time, right? I, I thought that maybe they could give him Mahomes another shot at the end zone, um, but it did not get a third down on that drive, so. Five for five when it matters most on third or fourth down, just just unreal stuff. And it's stuff like this here where the Chiefs are nine and two in playoff games where they face a seven point deficit. That also makes you just like, wow, uh, that uh, pinch me. Brady's teams were 10 and 11 in those such in such games. The Chiefs are nine and two, wow. 10 and 11. Wow. Pretty crazy. Yeah, five and I, I five go. and one, five and one when trailing by ten plus points at any point in the playoffs since twenty nineteen as well. Got to throw that in there. It's it's unreal. We could sit here and talk about Mahomes' stats and and how great Mahomes has been, literally all day long. Literally, we we do have to talk about some other people who contributed to this to this victory. First of all, uh, I pointed out on Twitter and and in the uh, winners losers post this week, the special teams. You can make the case, as I did, that the Chiefs special teams unit was responsible for every single point scored in the reg- in the in in regular uh, time in the four, first four quarters. Oh wow! Plus taking away one point from the 49ers. That just blew my so, mind. So field goal, field goal, field goal, field goal. Right? Uh, you've got the the special teams fumble recovery that set up the MVS touchdown. You've got the block extra point, which took a point off of the board for the 49ers. All of that was due to Dave Tobe, Harrison Butker, Justin Watson, Leo Chanel, like that unit stepped up. This was as complete of a team victory as I could possibly imagine. The defense was phenomenal. Mahomes was phenomenal. But the special teams, in some ways, ran the day. Dude, that you just blew my mind because you're right. That touchdown was all set up by the special teams and the fact that they technically like gave the Chiefs another point advantage. And and you could even not even just to pay, put it like that, but just to say they kept it within three. Like, that's crazy. Like, you know, that was huge. Yeah. Special teams. Are, I mean, you could have made the case for Harrison Butker MVP 
Um, maybe not after those two drives, but I was telling you, Stags, like, I'm, imagine a world, and, and actually it did almost happen, right? Imagine a world where McDuffie's hold isn't called on that third down in overtime. Mm. Chiefs get the ball back. They just need a field goal to win. They get down there. You know, maybe Mahomes doesn't do anything spectacular to do it. He just kind of, you know, what he did on those drives, right? And then Bucker hits like a, you know, 50-yarder or something. I don't know, man. You you could have gave Bucker the MVP. I I, I think there there's a there's a case. They probably wouldn't have, yeah. but if he has if he has five field goals, three of them over 50 yards, one of them the longest in NFL Super Bowl right. history. I mean, you Yeah. That he's definitely getting uh, special teams player of the week, but <laughs> I don't know if, I don't think he's getting MVP, but it, it would have been would have been fun. It was a uh, it was a long shot on DraftKings Sportsbook, uh, which you know, again, props to anybody who who, who bet that you would, you had a shot there. You really had a shot. Um, who else was big in this game that that you wanted to give a shout out to or call out? Well, let's let's group together the 2022 draft class because I think, especially on defense, like it, it, it's it's almost crazy to think that you could make the case. You know, maybe Chris Jones and 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 yeah, I'd say maybe Chris Jones is is you could. Let's exclude Chris Jones from this. The three most impactful defenders on Sunday were all from the 2022 draft class because Trent McDuffie was an absolute stud covering Debo Samuel from the slot, um, blanketed him. PFF had him only one catch over six targets, broke up three passes headed his way, uh, or two passes headed his, headed his way. Uh, Karloftis was an animal. I know it didn't maybe show up as much as, as the other guys, but I think he was a big reason uh, in, in the, in the run game. And, you know, the, he was getting pressure on Purdy. He, he forced some, some uh, off balance throws. Um, and he recovered the he was, fumble. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, like, no, he did. He dove on that. And then Leo Chanel, right? I mean, Leo Chanel is that third linebacker only played a third of the defensive snaps, but ended mm-hmm. up making a ton of impact plays. Then he made the special teams block. Like you mentioned, uh, forced the fumble on the opening drive. I mean, just so many difference-making plays from this draft class, uh, and, and I didn't even include the cornerbacks that played. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, Trent McDuffie was unreal. Like, just everybody's starting to go back and rewatch it, and, and to a person they've called out, like, however good you thought he was, he was better. Like, it was it was unbelievable how good he was in this game and, and how, how good he's been in his career so far. You're right, Karloftis was an impact player. Leo Chanel, of course, but Joshua Williams was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Jalen Watson was in there and did some good stuff. Don't yeah, forget. And, you know, and, sorry, go go ahead. ahead. I was just going to say, to your special teams point, Joshua Williams had a really strong tackle on one mm-hmm. gun, and then Jalen Watson, Watson actually recovered the fumble on the muff punt. There you go. Isaiah Pacheco obviously was part of that draft class. Uh, he was a big part of this game. Even if the stats weren't gaudy, he was. it, it was important what he was doing for this team. You're grinding it out and, and keeping the, making sure that they had to respect the run. They tried really hard to establish the run in this game. It, the, the numbers weren't there, but the impact was certainly uh, felt uh, quite literally with, with Isaiah Pacheco. So that draft class top to bottom is unreal. And what blows my mind is it could be better next year. Right. That same group next year is going to get back Brian Cook, who was looking like an absolute stud at safety. They're going to get back Nazi Johnson, who was coming on strong as a corner this year. Maybe they find a role for Darren Kennard. Like this is this is a class that could literally be top to bottom contributors. 
you you can make the case that Sky Moore is the least promising of all of them, and he's one that they're not ready to give up on for sure. So it's been that that draft class is going to go down uh, in, in the books as as a legendary one, and I still feel I'm starting to now feel guilty about being on the live reaction show and being you know wishy washy on Trent McDuffie because you know we weren't expecting him, and then and then certainly being down on Karloftis. Um, all expectations have been exceeded. Those guys are absolutely cornerstones of this franchise, and they're going to be here for a long time, and they're going get, to keep getting better. It's awesome. Well, and, and I am going to uh, write about a few of those guys and McDuffie's game. I, I kind of looked at him closely, kind of his matchup with, with uh, Debo, and, man, he just made a few great plays. Obviously, the deep pass, uh, you know, where – the Chiefs got a lot of pressure on the third and long. They blew up the pocket. And Brock Purdy, who had you know a pretty impressive game, I got to give Brock Purdy credit. I think he is a a a, a good quarterback, um, and 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 a playoff level quarterback. You know, someone that that you can win yeah. with if you have talent. Um, and I God, I keep doing the qualifiers. He's good. He was good. He was nails, yeah. man. He was I, nails. I underestimated him for sure. I thought that this yeah. Chiefs defense was going to put him in the blender, and and he. The moment was not too big for him. He got passes out in pressure that were on time, on target. Some that I didn't think there was any way he'd get out. Uh, obviously, the Chiefs made plays uh, on defense towards the end there. Some of those pressures were inescapable. Trent McDuffie's yeah. blitz, there's literally no shot. He had no chance. Uh, Chris Jones's pressures at the end of the game, sorry. You're just not going to do anything in that situation, no matter who it is. But he did as he did a really admirable job from beginning to end of this game. And again, it never, it never looked like he didn't belong there. No, I absolutely not. You know, I, I do think the 49ers are going to be a team to contend with for years to come because he's only going to be better. He's only going to be, you know, more uh, just consistent, even though he was consistent this year. Uh, he was nails. And that play where he avoided, again, the pocket completely collapses and he just makes the subtle movement that, you know, Tom Brady would get praise for if he did, um, where he sets himself back up. You never see a quarterback being able to to reload like he did and set himself back up and throw deep against that kind of blitz. And usually it's a very, very bad sign for the chief for a defense when the quarterback can set himself up that well and, and throw down the field against a blitz like that. But if you watch McDuffie, He's tracking Debo. He's kind of playing him, you know, with with trailing coverage, kind of expecting maybe a quicker throw with the blitz coming, right? That's what you have to do as a corner. You really don't uh, expect a deep throw. And so for him to track Debo, recognize that he was going deep, start accelerating with him, staying on the back hip, and then just cleanly staying with him, putting that offhand up and just batting it away was just a thing of beauty. And it wasn't even his most impactful play of the game because <laughs> that that blitz you just mentioned where he times it up third. Or, I mean, honestly, I mean, uh, the, to bury, you know, not to bury the lead, like if they convert there, it's over. Um, you could make the argument because the 49ers could uh, run out the clock, kick a field goal. If they make it, the Chiefs only have about 20 seconds to go. Trent McDuffie sells the blitz. He had only blitzed twice the entire game, um, including that play. So once the entire game besides that. Looks like he's going to cover in the slot, right? Once Purdy drops his eyes, that's when McDuffie starts to commit. And he is so fast. It, 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 I, I couldn't believe how yeah. fast he was to the – that's what stood out to me. Like, And Purdy probably was just like <laughs> – 
he probably just could not believe he was already in his lap like that and and to make that yeah. play tags. The, he almost you know he definitely sold it with that one step you know uh you know drop in the opposite direction uh in a time the timing was perfect because that was probably right when purdy was looking his way is when he stepped back it took that first step backwards right but he also sort of tucked in behind the defensive end and and the tackle uh and that's the, maybe the the benefit of being a little guy i i'm not sure he could see him until he was up at complete full speed, so he went from he went from taking a step backwards to to hiding behind the the uh, defensive end and the, and the tackle to being at full speed, and, and there was just absolutely no chance on that play. And I guess that's those are the skills you have as a as a coverage player, right? Um, where you can just quickly, you know, out of thin air, kind of you know accelerate, you know, in, in quick quick spots to cover guys. I mean, that's I guess that's what he's got. Because he yeah, used it in the blitz. Maybe forty game, time blitz. is less important than uh, ten yard splits, huh? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, right. We're learning that. Well, you, know, we want to ultimately get to uh, this this point that uh, this was supposed to be the year when the Chiefs were beatable. This was really a down year, a year when this team struggled. They had more losses in the regular season than than they've had in the Mahomes era. You know, they, there was. One thing after another went wrong. They were sloppy. The receivers were terrible. They weren't going to be able to overcome it. But maybe we should have known because we've we've talked about the defense. We've talked about Mahomes. And by the way, they also have Andy Reid at the helm. The fifth coach in NFL history win three Super Bowl championships. Um, the way he prepares, the way he plans, you know, game plans, the way he handles his, his talent. Uh, I mean, there's, you can start to make a case. That there's never been anybody like Andy Reid, and maybe we should never doubt this team as long as they have Reid, Mahomes, and uh, a good defense. Yes, I think that is the key point there. Because um, that, to my earlier point, just kind of about how it's 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 just kind of wild to think, you know, the the Chiefs are one of these all time dynasties. Yeah, it's it, the proof is in the pudding now. There's no if, answer, buts about if Andy Reid is you know, doing it the right way. And, and I'm not saying there was before this game or anything, but I'm just like, now we know that the way Andy Reed coaches a football team is the correct way to do it. The way Andy Reed structured his organization was the right way to do it in terms of if you want to be a successful franchise, like he, 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 the blueprint he laid out was the right one. Like there's no, like, and I'm, and, and, and obviously I'm not saying like, you know, uh, in, you know, every coach has to do their own thing. I'm just saying, like, it is cool to think like all these things we praise him for, all these things we talk about consistency, all these, you know, his, you know, he never throws people under the bus in the media. You know, I mean, even this year, you know, he's just kind of saying the same things over and over and it gets frustrating. It all has a purpose and it all leads to success. And there's no denying that now, Sachs. Not too much more to add to that. I mean, if you look at the uh, the stats, Andy and Mahomes now have, the most wins oh, yeah. in the history of the Allegiant Stadium. <laughs> uh, so five wins between uh, with with Andy Reid and and Patrick Mahomes together. That's more than any combination of any Raiders head coach and quarterback. That's so uh, that's pretty fun. There's just a lot uh, about this Super Bowl that was you know both epic and fitting historically and just satisfying to watch. Doing it in the Raiders' house was a big part of it. Having the having the 
celebration in the Raiders locker room, having John Elway handing out the trophy. I mean, that who wrote this script? <laughs> I know, dude. Yeah, the John Elway thing was funny. Uh, yeah, Broncos, Chiefs, all just all walking all over the Raiders turf, uh, you know, in a Super Bowl they're not involved in. Um, but no, I, I do think Andy Reid and Steve Spagnolo just like them, those two together. And, and I guess that's another part of what I was just talking about where, you know, Spags was hired in 2019. And like now in hindsight, it's like, well, yeah, that was a, why would you not do that hire? Why would any team not do that hire? He was not in football for a whole year. He had been like a, a you know, an, a, just kind of an advisor to the Ravens at one point. Spags was not someone you know that had, was thought of as like all right like you you bring him in like he's gonna give you a championship level defense there was questions about him and i think that yeah. just speaks a lot to of people a, were not happy about that hire at the time. i know I, I right and i can't i honestly i don't I, I think i was just like hey you know i'm, I'm gonna trust the team I, I i wasn't writing then yet so i don't know if i had a strong take um but that's the thing like this this is proof again just to what i what i talked about like they built this team the right way you know they brought in a championship defensive coordinator gave him the veteran juice right away gave him that those veterans to kind of give him you know some some starter up energy right away when he got there but then they let him develop this defense over the 2020 draft through this last year's draft and you can see spags fingerprints all over those classes and now they're all a bunch of impact players when you talk about willie gay mike dana uh legeria sneed nick bolton uh, you know, I mean, I, you know, we know them all. I'm not, you know, I, I don't need to mansplain the, the chiefs draft picks. So, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. He's, if there was an MVP to be given for a coaching staff, uh, I think there, there would be a good candidate, a couple of good candidates on this chiefs roster. If there was a defensive MVP, you know, I think they'd had a couple of candidates there as well. Again, total top to bottom team effort. Uh, let's take a break and hear from our sponsors and we'll come back. We'll get to your questions. Some more of the winners and losers from this game. Some more just astounding stats just to continue to blow our own minds here talking about this team. Uh, We'll be right back on the Out of Structure podcast. And we're back. Thanks for sticking with us. We're talking about the Chiefs back-to-back Super Bowl championships. Uh, Going through just an entire list of Chiefs that made this possible. The the players, the, the coaches, the you know, draft class. I mean, there's really so many that had a hand in this victory. It wasn't really easy to write the winners and losers piece this week because it's hard to make it balanced. There's really not anybody that I could really earnestly call a loser in this situation, a total team victory. It took, it took a lot of them uh, to make this happen. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about Travis Kelsey, by the way, as, as one of those, obviously he got a lot of publicity coming into this thing. He is now, you know, his face is all over the media, the social media. The, he's one of the faces of the NFL now after uh, Mahomes reached that status just before him. Started off pretty slow in the first half. I think it was pretty clear the 49ers wanted to take him out of the game. He had one catch for one yard by halftime. That's that's not the start you expected to see, first of all. No, and it's the exact opposite of the AFC Championship, right? Where he had such a hot start and then went cold in the second half. So that did concern me a little bit. Uh, You know, I knew the Chiefs would get it opened up a little bit, but, you know, not getting him involved at all on the opening script or, you know, just, you know, in the rhythm of that four-minute drill maybe before halftime or two-minute drill. 
Um, yeah, it was concerning, but he did turn it on because he finished with nine catches and 93 yards. Um, he did find space. There was a few times I think the 49ers might have busted coverage a little bit. Um, but the one that was the most impactful that blew my mind when I saw this little stat stags, where on the 22-yard catch and run he had just before overtime, which helped them tie the game, kind of set them up uh, under 10 seconds to go. First of all, Caught them in man coverage. 49ers r- rarely run man coverage, but on these third down situations, uh, they did. And the Chiefs caught them twice in those situations by just simply running uh, shallow cross where Kelsey just set him, set Fred Warner up, went went in, uh, went over the middle, and then Justin Watson on the other side just got in his way enough to, to get the separation. But Kelsey got that runway, and he hit 19.68 miles per hour. That was the second fastest run by any player in the game. Uh, only behind McCole Hardman. And uh, I didn't get this. I didn't was able to confirm it, but apparently it was his fastest run. And like, since Mahomes has been the quarterback. Uh, so <laughs> wow. I don't know. I, I think Kelsey still has some juice. What do you think? He, he does. I mean, obviously that first half, the frustration was boiling over. Um, and, you know, it was, he, they really tried hard to take him out of the game, but just like Mahomes, Kelsey getting open is pretty inevitable at some point. And, and yeah, to see him take that one and, and really, uh, really hit the gas. I, I thought for, there was a chance he breaks a couple tackles and just finishes that thing. Uh, that was a that was a tremendous catch and run. So yeah, big players come up big and in big situations. Uh, obviously, he was a big part of that. Uh, McCall Hardman, like we already talked about, just the the shock that it that it was him getting both the fifty two yard bomb. Um, and the game winner for McCall Hardman didn't see it coming, but uh, but good for him to stay persistent and stay ready for the moment. Uh, we talked about Trent McDuffie plenty. There's some stats here on, on, on McDuffie, though, that I think you wanted to get to. Uh, yeah, that's true because uh, he did. I did mention earlier that he covered Debo Samuel on, on six of the 11 targets De- Debo got, and so he was the primary guy for him. Only allowed a catch in nine yards. I think he allowed overall for the game, whoever he was covering, which I think primarily was Debo, he allowed a 37.9 passer rating um, when targeted this game. Um, and and there was that one play uh, over the middle where uh, they broke up on third down. He just covered Debo like a blanket, and he almost had the pick. Um, could have been a huge play. So shout out Trent McDuffie. Um, but yeah, no, and, and, and I think the cool thing about the way the cornerbacks played on Sunday – was that Spags, and, and it's not a surprise that he trusted them, but he trusted them as much as any team has against this talent. Because, right, you, you're playing a Debo Samuel, you're playing Brandon I, you're playing Kill, you're playing McCaffrey as a slot receiver sometimes. A lot of defenses don't want to trust their guys to just play straight-up man coverage, right? Uh, especially with no safety help. Well, this stat um, from Sports Sturm on Twitter, um, where he kind of had a screenshot of the, of, and it shows the coverage rates the 49ers have faced all season game by game. The Chiefs had the highest rate of cover. First of all, just man coverage, I should say. Let me just get that straight. Man coverage. They played man coverage 64% of the time. No other team had played it that high. There was one other team that got close, and the average for them on the season was 30% that they faced man coverage. But get this. The Chiefs ran cover zero 21% of the time, which means no safety help. You're blitzing. It's just man, mono mono. Everyone just has to single up a guy. The season average was six percent, 
And if you look at the kind of the game by game, there's a few weeks where no one was throwing cover zero at the Niners um, because that almost sounds dumb um, with how they've been playing. But that's how much Spags trusted McDuffie, Sneed, Josh Williams, Jalen Watson, even Justin Reed covering George Kittle. You know, I do think he get he deserves credit for Kittle having a quiet game. Um, and also and honestly, I will say, I you know, I, I think Kittle was banged up at the end and it wasn't a serious injury. I think Jay Reed was 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 uh, uh roughing him up i think jay reed just like he has all year w- w- was kind of letting him feel it anytime he could um there was especially one i think it was a fourth down they converted late where yeah he got it but man jay reed popped him in the you know and, and you could tell kittle was slow getting up i mean you know I, I think jay reed's physicality uh you know just makes up for so much of of, of anything else and and is a big part of the reason why this whole defensive backfield is good is because they bring it they have attitude and they they back it up, you know. It's it's not just it's not just talk. Yeah, that's those are unbelievable numbers when it comes to coverage. And and as you think about game planning for NFL teams, the last thing that most teams would think about would be let's man up and and give our give our guys less help against the most talented skill position players they're gonna they're gonna face. Like that's right. that's a really really bold strategy. Uh, but it just shows the growth and the evolution of these players that, that he, they can be trusted in that way. Uh, and man, the execution was phenomenal. Uh, also, you know, you don't see him in the stats as much this week, but Chris Jones was dominant. And yes. I've seen a couple call call out and say, I think Brian Baldinger came out and said that he was the best defensive player on the field, even if he didn't fill up the box score at all, and absolutely closed this thing out when it, when it, they needed it the most. He's been so clutch. Uh, if this is the last we see of Chris Jones in the Chiefs uniform, you know he will have earned every penny he made here and more, and right. <laughs> uh, you know hit every incentive uh, possible. Just about other than the uh, uh, what did he miss the first team All Pro this year? Uh, right, because if the, if he would have or no, he got first team All Pro, right? Didn't he? I think it was just he didn't. He wasn't the defensive player of the year. That's the incentive. Oh, defensive player of the year. That's what he missed. Yeah, that's right. Maybe I'm. But anyway, uh, Chris Jones was a monster, putting pressure on. Uh, some of those unblocked pressures, obviously, uh, I don't know how you draw up a play that ends up with him unblocked <laughs> uh, without it being just a, a huge mistake or maybe a screenplay. But uh, yeah. he, per Seth Wadler, led the Super Bowl in pass rush win rate 21% of the time. He was getting past his guy, winning that rep. And, you know, he's just a, a – a force to be reckoned with. I, I hope he's back in some capacity. Yeah, I think it is going to be funny how, you know, I think maybe to the casual viewer, you know, maybe you could say, yeah, Chris was had a quiet game. And then the only big play he did make at the end, which was a huge play to force Purdy to, to throw. But yeah, he was just left unblocked. And and if you watch, it was, I think the right guard just went the wrong way that the rest of the line did. And it was just bad news for the Niners. You can't have those mistakes. But you're right. You already mentioned the pass rush stuff. I think what really made him, um, you know, a, a, this a dominant game is he really was a big factor in the Chiefs run defense. Really, as much as it felt like they were getting chipped away at a lot of times and giving up, you know, chunk gains, maybe, uh, you know, too many times uh, in, 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 in some moments, you know, right. Fourth quarter overtime, you know, they were getting run over. But, hey, it's late in the game. It's tough. Chris Jones and Mike Pinnell. Got to give him credit to MV Pinnell. Dudes were playing their butts off getting off blocks, staying, you know, kind of kind of just staying at the line, not getting displaced is, is the football term um, where they were just 
they were just clogging up enough holes for the linebackers to get there. And, cl- and, and so even if McCaffrey did get to the second level, he was getting tackled there. He wasn't getting through to the third level. And that's where it comes through where McCaffrey's longest rush over 22 attempts was 11 yards. And that's kind of been the theme, right? Like James Cook in the divisional round, his longest rush was eight yards, even though he chipped away at him. This Chiefs run defense, Ben, Ben don't break. And Chris Jones, who got criticized at times, I think just kind of off one little article thing about how, you know, yeah, he doesn't play as hard in the second half or, you know, he, he doesn't play the run as well, uh, you know, throughout mm-hmm. the game. Um, he saves it for the end of the game. Yeah. He's, he's earned it to this point. He's won three Super Bowls and he's made a huge impact in all of them. So any of that crap can, can, can get out. I mean, yeah, he, uh, made he, he, he shut that up early, early and late in this game. Um, and that's going to go unnoticed. The way the, the Chiefs defense held down the 49ers, you're right. It was pass rush. It was trusting the secondary. It was ridiculous coverage. But it was also, they got stops on first down. And Dan Orlovsky pointed out, in the entire third quarter, total, the 49ers had one yard on first down. One yard on first downs in an entire quarter that, that is a complete domination of Mike Bunnell, of Leo Chanel, of Chris Jones on, on against the run. It's an aggressive scheme. It's They were attacking the ball. They were attacking the line of scrimmage and not giving an inch and putting themselves in better situations to rush the passer and to cover guys when you know it's more of an obvious passing situation. So they you, you hear the term, you got to earn the right to rush the passer. They absolutely did that on Sunday. Yeah, well, and and the thing, you know, that Barry bears the lead on what you just mentioned with the first down runs there, uh, the stuff plays, right? Each of those drives, those three drives in the third quarter, they all had stuffed plays on first down. Each of them turned into three and outs. And that's been the theme of playing these Niners, Dolphins offenses that the Chiefs have faced three times this year is that. If you make plays on first down, if you're aggressive on first down and and, and blow up a run or, or, you know, chase down a play action pass um, or, you know, again, Leo Chanel had had a few big plays where like, you know, Brock Purdy kind of was scrambling and had to get rid of it. And Leo Chanel just smacks the dude seven yards behind the line of scrimmage uh, in the flat, you know. Yeah, I, that's how you beat these offenses. And and so, yeah, there was three straight drives in the third quarter where it was three and out. They had, the Niners had three total yards throughout those three drives total. Um, not just on first down. So, you know, I, it, it was a it was one of those games where as the game were on, you could kind of tell. Yeah. I mean, this Niners offense, you know, is good for a reason. You know, they, they wore them. They wore out on them. And, and towards the end, you can't put much you can't put too much blame on on the Chiefs defense for maybe giving way at times in the fourth quarter. Right. But they set themselves up to still be, you know, where they, it didn't break them because in the at third quarter, like you just mentioned, they were they were nails. Yeah, I mean, you think about 21 games into the season, going into overtime, you know, shorthanded to some extent. I mean, they they were relatively healthy coming into this game, but they didn't have Derek Nadi anymore. They didn't have Charles Aminahi on that defensive line. Right. That rotation got thinner, and they were playing Neil Farrell. They were playing, you know, Mike Pinnell. Those were those were staples on on that line this week, but they they got the job done and and. They did it in such a way, again, that really allowed allowed plays to be made behind them, even if they weren't the ones making the plays. Leo Chanel, you know, again, you can't say enough about his performance here. Forced the fumble on the opening drive, 
he blew up first down plays multiple times, right? How many different stops did he have? And then, of course, blocking that extra point. Um, just massive, massive plays in this game. And it gives you some hope for the future for Leo Chanel and this Chiefs linebacking group. Well, and 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 the last point on on kind of all those guys before we move on from it is, you know, you've seen some clips and 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 you notice it when you just watch the game too that, you know, this defense when they bring the physicality they they really do bring it even against guys like George Kittle, Trent Williams. I mean, McDuffie, there's there's a there's a tweet going around from uh, oh man, I can't remember his name, Ben Fennell maybe uh, is is I think who it's from where. Trent Williams is going out to block McDuffie in space and both times McDuffie olays him or just kind of takes him on. And, and, and one time he freaking flips him pretty much uh, and kind of just uses his momentum against him. <laughs> yeah. um, he's just so good, uh, you know, in every aspect of the game, but you know, as, as a, as a run defender too. Um, but also there were, there were plays I noticed where, yeah, Leo Chanel just overpowered George Kittle, um, you know, or George Karloftis, you know, was really, uh, you know, overpowering guys. So yeah, I think, this defense, man, they they really brought the fight to a Niners offense that usually brings a fight uh, to the defense. Well, let's get into some of the people's questions here. We're, we're deep into this pot already. I think we could talk all day about the Super Bowl champion back-to-back Kansas City Chiefs. But uh, how about this question? Who would have won MVP if it wasn't Patrick Mahomes? I mean, we talked about Harrison Bucker, right? Uh, no, I, 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 I could not have done that. I would have done Trent McDuffie. Um, mm-hmm. I think he really was that impactful, um, especially because one thing I didn't really like get too deep into uh, when we talked about him earlier is that when he was on those third downs, on a lot of third downs that the Chiefs got stops, he was just singled up on Debo and he was just locking him down and not giving Purdy even the chance to throw to him, even if it, you know, so there were times where he wasn't even getting the ball thrown his way and making plays. So, yeah, I definitely McDuffie. Yeah, I mean, definitely you can make the case for Harrison Bucker. I think we've already done that. Um I'd argue Leo Chanel probably. Uh, that guy just love it. Had three, four major impact plays in this game. Uh, yeah. and, and somebody coming out of nowhere just as a role player. I saw some tweets saying that I don't know if it was you or somebody else that said Leo Chanel is the guy that 15 years from now we're going to be explaining to people why he was a big part of this Super Bowl dynasty. And and even if you don't know his name, even if people don't know his name by that point, he was a big part of this. Uh, uh, so yeah, hopefully that doesn't get lost there. I don't agree yeah. with that, honestly. I think I think Leo's I think Leo's gonna ascend into like a guy. Like he's gonna be a a really good player for this franchise. So I I would say that's not necessarily accurate. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, hopefully that's the case. What were some of your your favorite individual moments from the game? Anything we haven't talked about so far? Uh, there was plenty of scary oh, moments, man. plenty of times where I was just on the edge of my seat stomach and nods, you know, stressed out, but what, what were some of your favorite or, or most stressful moments of this game? Yeah. I mean, on, I, you know, I, we've already talked about so much, so much of this game. Um, but I mean, when you talk about just f- maybe like flip of emotions where like, it really just felt like, golly, are we really doing this? Like, cause with the high of the McColl bomb and then the fumble right after it just really felt you know, bad. And, and I will say when, when Sneed threw that punch and was it, all those things adding up, like it was not a good feeling in the first half. So I, I was, I was on edge, uh, you know, uh, when, when, you know, all those things were happening a little bit until they scored that field goal, like we kind of talked about, but um, man, I don't know. I, there's so many moments, you know, now I'm just like, they're all r- running through my head. And you got any? 
Yeah, I mean, I think we've covered most of them. Uh, I right. I love the deep pass to, to McColl because he w- he wasn't really that open by the time the ball got there. There were there were two defenders there. Yeah, it was a great play. The placement on that was beautiful. The fact that, M- that McColl was able to track that just all of a sudden. I feel like in games like this, when it's a slugfest, you need that one big play to open things up, uh, and, and they got it. So I thought that was a that was a pretty exciting moment for me. I was like, "All right, here we go." You know, between that and that first field goal, I thought, "All right, they're going to be all right." Yeah, no, exactly. I, the first field goal really did that. That was kind of the uplifting moment for sure. The Mahomes interception really was just baffling. I wasn't even like I wasn't really that like that was just baffling to me. It really was. I, you know, I, I, that didn't make me scared as much. Um, but Brock Purdy was putting some fear into me. So that's where, that's where, you know, you're a good quarterback. If, if Brock, if, if, if you're kind of striking fear into the opponent. Uh, so shout out Brock Purdy. I think he's, he is good. Absolutely. What about from Tanner Pelzer on Twitter? Do we just witness the greatest run to a Super Bowl title in NFL history? Could have. Make the case that this is the greatest run in Super Bowl history. Well, if you just trust DVOA, then I don't have to make much of a case because they already told us it was the hardest run. Um, based on regular season DVOA of opponents, uh, the the Chiefs were added up to have the hardest run. I think the 2007 Giants were the the second place team, which makes sense, right? They were they played the undefeated Patriots in the Super Bowl. So yeah, I think when you talk about going on the road twice against two other elite contenders. That's the thing, you know, I I didn't want you know, I, I can't look at every Super Bowl champion and tell you, you know, if it was the most impressive and knowing what each season was for those teams. But in terms of the Chiefs Super Bowl runs, absolutely the most impressive, not even close. Right. When you look at this team played the Deshaun Watson, Houston Texans and the Ryan Tannehill Titans at home to get their first one. And then last year they had to take on the Trevor Lawrence Jaguars and the Joe Burrow Bengals at home. Good, good players. And Burrow obviously is, is, is in, is in the category with the next two, but yeah, this year, not only did they have to play an additional game, they had to play on the road against Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, two MVP candidates, guys that are in a different stratosphere than the quarterbacks I just mentioned again, Burrow's in that level, but yeah, I, it's not even close in terms of Chiefs Super Bowl runs. And, and, uh, I have here that they beat four to the five, uh, you know, MVP finalists in the playoffs. That's cool. But also beat four out of the five, uh, top teams in the NFL in terms of yards gain per play and the point differential. So like when you, those are the stats you use to say who's the best teams in the NFL. So the chiefs really did just go and beat four of the best five teams in the NFL. The Cowboys were the team missing, I think in a lot of those top fives. And so they just didn't beat them. That's all. That's, and to do that after a challenging season, that, that's what makes it epic. That's yeah. what, you know, I've had this thought a lot of times that the great teams in, in history are known because there's a story, because there's a there's peaks and troughs to their to their season. That there are low moments when you don't think that that it's gonna it's gonna turn around and and then it does. It's it's like any good movie plot. Uh, there there's a real specific pattern that they follow, and it's you know it's rise, fall, get back up again. Yeah. You know, and and they need those. They almost needed those downturns. They almost needed those challenges. To, to be prepared for this moment because you saw the resilience and how it paid off. You saw the fact that they struggled in this Super Bowl and they were able to quickly turn it around, put that behind them. Uh, and, and they were great when they needed to be great. So, uh, you know, I think all in all the story beginning to end for this one is, is pretty epic. It might, it might be the, the best of the chiefs run and 
And yeah, I can't think of any others in NFL history that have been too much more poetic than this one. Back to details on this game, Leon Mahomes. Is it safe to say that 15 weaponized Bosa's juice against him? If Bosa was a smarter player and didn't bite so hard, the game would have been over in regulation. Ooh, uh, you know, I, I don't know if it would have been. I, I guess I know what he's saying, but, you know, uh, in terms of it being over in regulation. But he's he is 100% right, Leon is, about, you know, the Chiefs weaponizing Bosa's uh, aggressiveness. That's on my preview going into the game. It's something that they did last time they played Nick Bosa, and it is something that, I think a lot of teams probably do because he is sometimes he does just feel like he's a kind of a tunnel vision player and it bites him in the butt. I think he was much more disciplined in the pass rushing aspect of it. I think uh, in, in the past you've seen him kind of be undisciplined and like going inside and then letting Mahomes uh, get to the outside. He was very good at keeping Mahomes um, kind of from getting too much open space to the outside and making a play from there to the right because he is primarily rushing from the offense's right. But yes, the Chiefs did absolutely when they needed it most and a few big crucial moments. I mean, the first uh, poll was actually on a first and 10, but uh, it wasn't on a bit. It was in a big spot in the third quarter um, to lead to a field goal drive. And yeah, I mean, Bosa just, you know, he, he just saw the the run action and just committed to the running back and Mahomes saw that, but I think it was predetermined on that first and 10, but again, in, in overtime on that fourth down, it was, uh, you know, always designed to be Mahomes rolling out. He just went for the run fake again, which, the second time, you, it, it's it's a lot harder to just uh, you know uh, give the Chiefs credit. You know, Bosa's got to be a little smarter than that um, on in the overtime game in the overtime play. Um, so yeah, I, I think the Chiefs absolutely did, and that's what they do with Max Crosby. It's what they do. You know, uh, they've done it with Joey Bosa before. It's what they do with these with these top edge rushers, especially when they're kind of the the alpha on the defensive line, the tr- uh, the the clear alpha, I should say. Absolutely. Well, we're going to have plenty of time this offseason to talk about next season. We have a couple of questions here that are future looking. I, I say we take one of these and we save the next, the other one for the future because it, it's tough to even look too far forward at this point. I do want to address Chris Fried 78 on Twitter. Does the opportunity to come up with a three-peat prompt some current Chiefs players to re-sign at less than full market value? <laughs> so... I think this is a pretty quick answer that that no. And in fact, I think in some ways it's going to be the opposite because agents are going to be really quick to add Super Bowl champion onto the resume of people they represent and use that to ask for more money. There's a Super Bowl premium that you end up playing paying to re-sign players after they've won titles. Now, I'll let you make the case for why the three-peat might be a little bit different uh, than, than other seasons, but... I just wanted to get that out right away. I can't imagine a lot of discount contracts coming their way. Yeah, from from current Chiefs players, right? Like, specifically that point, like, absolutely not. Um, guys like Willie Gay, guys like Mike Dana, um, even Drew Tranquil, which they are going to have to give, you know, give up some, some a decent amount to get him. Because Drew Tranquil is not that much different of a player than he was uh, two years ago. You know, when he was on the Chargers in 2022 – he just wasn't on a Super Bowl winning team. He was on a bad. He was on a bad organization, a bad team. Gets to a, gets to a Chiefs team. All of a sudden, is an impact player. Wins a Super Bowl. Guess what? He's not going to get signed to a year six million uh, this offseason. Um, and that's going to go for a lot of those guys. So, uh, but but there is a chance that you know guys coming in, you know maybe like a like a Drew Tranquil did last year after they won the Super Bowl. Guys like that. Mike Edwards was another cheap free agent. You know 
they they have those opportunities but like i don't think anyone was really like saying like oh wow they got him way less than full market value back then it was more just those guys themselves were underrated um not necessarily that they have these star players coming in but here's the thing with the three peat that i do think you know it, it's so easy i feel like when you win one super bowl everyone's like oh yeah you know we're going to go back to back we're going to repeat we're going to run it back you know that's what we heard after the 2019 super bowl and they did run it back they got all the way there and 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 couldn't finish it but you know, it, I feel like that almost just like a, it's almost kind of like hollow words. Like, yeah, we're going to go, we're going to try to go back to back. Okay, guys. But like for a lot of franchises, it's like, we just won the Super Bowl. Like, let's just, can we just celebrate this one? But when you, when you do get the back to back and there's a three-peat on the line, I feel like that, that energy is different going into this off season where it's like, we do have a chance where it, it's an actual thing. Like you can go tell someone like, Hey, you have a chance to be a part of a three-peat, you know, not a, like you could tell anyone you could be part of a repeat after they win the Super Bowl, but no free agent ha, uh, has heard that uh, in the last 20 years that they can be a part of a three-peat. So I think that is interesting. Um, but it also, I just think in general, will give the team a little bit more energy and, and juice uh, than I think maybe, uh, you know, maybe like, you know, if they were just to win, I don't know. I was kind of, maybe that's what I projected all year this year was that I, you know, maybe that, after winning the Super Bowl last year, that there were some young players that got their heads too too filled and 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 you know didn't have you know. But now that they have the two peat and there's a three peat on the line, I think there's just no chance that there's a loss of focus. I think uh, I think getting to that three peat is going to be a, a big deal. Yeah, they've already you know talked about how Mahomes is going to move some money around to make sure that they can continue to invest in this team. They've already talked about trying to re-sign Chris Jones and Legarius Sneed. I would love to see at least one of those guys stay. Yeah. I don't know if you can resign both of them, but hey, why not? I think the only people again in the equation that are going to be the roadblock are going to be the agents of those players because they're going to right. they're going to have every right uh, and every bit of leverage to demand substantial paydays for for their guys. And so we we thought even ever since Mahomes was drafted, we thought, hey, maybe some guys will take a pay cut to come play with Mahomes. That has not been the case. I don't expect it to be the case going forward. Um, we'll have to see how this offseason plays out. Again, lots of time to talk about that. As we wrap this thing up, let's just throw out a couple of our – we talked last time about <laughs> prop bets, and Super Bowl was pretty fun because of the the breadth of the prop bets available. We're not going to go through all of these. I think a lot of them hit, uh, but we're, we won't go through all of them. Give me one or two of your favorite prop bets that, that panned out or, or didn't pan out in this uh, Super Bowl. Well, I know you were high on uh, Mahomes over rushing yards. Uh, so shout Absolutely. out you because he blew that out of the water. Um, he had that 66 rushing yards when the over under was 26 and a half. Um, you know, I, I know the, the, the Taylor Swift ones were hit or miss, uh, but the one that did hit um, was one that I think, I think a lot of people, you know, I, I was high on, but I think a lot of people would have, would have maybe taken, it. I can't remember what the odds were on it. Um, I wish we would have got that, but it was the shake it off bet where the 49ers would score first, but the Chiefs to win. Um, wish it would have got the odds because I, I I love that. The Chiefs were plus 100 as it was. Yeah. Um, we, t- we told you all that the jersey number first touchdown was under. We, we I told you all it was a lock. I don't remember what your opinion was on it, Stags, but absolute yeah. lock, even though it was, it was a 0.5 away. Uh, yeah, McCaffrey scored the first touchdown. It was 22 and a half was the over The total so. jersey numbers was a little bit of a surprise that it hit way under. Yeah, when you had Kelsey and Kittle in this game, and neither of them, you know, got, got a sniff of a touchdown. So, yeah, no, but but yeah, when you do look at it, they were really the only two 
guys that mm-hmm. could have inflated it. So yeah, I guess that is kind of it was kind of a good call, maybe going under there too. But yeah, I, the, yeah, I thought that was good. The national anthem went over, which again, country singer, it's just going to happen every time. I we were we did prod bets at my Super Bowl party here, and everybody had their stopwatches out, and the ones that had bet under felt like they had it until she just took that last note and she just yeah, and that that took it right over the line. So that was pretty fun. Uh, it was a pretty fun moment just to watch that one as the first prop bet of the day, really. Uh, other than the coin toss, uh, which you know again was was a coin flip. Uh, I I did I did call that one. I think in, in our party, I, I said it's uh, you always call tails, and uh, tails never fails. It, it did come up tails. Uh, no, it was a lot of fun uh, to watch. Uh, surreal to be in the midst of of an actual dynasty that can't really be argued anymore. Uh, that Mahomes is on pace. You know, he's on pace with Tom Brady in so many ways, and there's there's an argument that he's already the greatest of all time. That Andy Reid is, you know, still one of the greatest, if not the greatest, head coach of all time, and it's just a glorious time to be a Chiefs fan. Never thought we'd be here, but here we are, and we couldn't be happier that we're here and that you all are joining us and spending time out of your day to listen to the Arrowhead Pride Out of Structure podcast. Make sure you check out all the work on the website at arrowheadpride.com. Tons of content. This team went, you know, above and beyond in covering the Super Bowl this year. I hope you all enjoyed it and get ready for draft coverage because Ron and team are going to lay it down Ah. once again for you. Uh, as that season approaches, it's going to come up quick because there's not much of an off season. But sure, enjoy this one while you can. Appreciate it. Don't take it for granted. This was not the reality for most of my lifetime, and and I, I think those of you who this is your new reality, uh, you, you should you should appreciate that. Do not take Mahomes for granted. I, I'm glad you we ended on that because I actually. Just put it in my bio. It's it's in my Twitter bio now. It is because it, it, it is something that, you know, I think I did this year. I think I did as some, you know, as someone that we've all followed his career. We've seen him from the beginning. We knew this dude was special. Let's believe our instincts. We are smart football people. Just because they're our favorite team does not mean, you know, this this isn't meant to be. You know, I, I we have the Michael Jordan of the NFL. Do not take him for granted. Thank you, Chiefs King. I appreciate you guys listening this year. Hey there, it's Pete Sweeney from Arrowhead Pride, and I'm excited to announce a new element of the Arrowhead Pride experience for diehard Chiefs fans. It's our brand new newsletter, Arrowhead Pride Premier. Arrowhead Pride Premier is a newsletter delivered to your inbox twice a week from me. For $50, you'll get an annual subscription packed with insider coverage from yours truly and new in-depth analysis from voices around Kansas City. It's all about what I'm seeing and hearing around the team. During the season, we'll deliver a newsletter ahead of each game to get ready for Sunday and a newsletter after after each game to unpack exactly what happened. Subscribe to Arrowhead Pride Premiere today at arrowheadpride.com slash subscribe.